0: What is up, good people? Welcome to Music Mostly, the podcast where we celebrate the music that is important to us. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope to inspire you to spend a little more time actively listening to music. First and foremost, shout out to the very good people in the hospitality and service industries. Please take care of these folks when you go out. Wear a courtesy mask when approaching high traffic areas like the bar, service window, and so forth. Your interaction with them may be the only wild card in your day, but they have to do it over and over again. There's a shortage of industry workers right now. Don't take out your frustrations on the ones who are showing up. Remember, the kindness never goes out of style. If you haven't had a chance to get your shot, please mask up. And no matter what you do, tip like a rock star and don't be a dick. You guys got anything to add to that?
1: Again, Will, you've pretty much covered it. Spot on. It's time to talk about music. It's time to talk about life. We'll yeah. You hey, MC, yes, we know you're gonna like. We got some tasty hot takes. And the gems we just had to kick So saddle up, good people, while we talk a little bit about music. <laughs> music. 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 music, music
0: My name is Will Olson, and I'm ecstatic to be joined by my good friend, regional icon and text message ignorer, Mr. James Raymond Scott. Hello, Jimbo. <laughs> More
1: like email ignorer. I don't ignore text messages, but I do ignore emails. <laughs> Only
0: I don't know why. I, you know. <laughs> I have a text message chain with you that would beg to differ, sir. Okay. <laughs> uh, We're joined by audio engineer, jingle master, and daydream believer, Mr. Brian Gardner. How are you, Brian?
2: Fantastic.
0: How was your vacation? It was good. You know, it
2: it was nice to to see family and do something other than just the normal routine. But it was a lot, you know, and you go and it feels like you're working even harder than you would if you just had your normal week. So, Yeah, family It was kind of like that, but it was interspersed with a lot of fun.
0: Awesome. Well, I think I speak for both of our fans when I say that we are glad that you are back. I'm glad to be back And
1: by the way, your new nickname um, Is a Neil Diamond written song By the way, just saying
0: Daydream Believers? Yeah,
1: uh, I mean it's the Monkees But it's, I think Neil, I'm pretty sure I Neil thought Diamond he
0: did, I thought he did I'm a Believer But I didn't know he did Daydream Believer Daydream oh, wow. Believer and a,
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's Neil Diamond Nice Listen to it, man, just listen to it That's a, That's got Neil Diamond written all over it
0: It does Oh, I could bow. Yeah, yeah man, I feel like yeah. if you sang with
1: the that that carpenters, Diamond. maybe it sounds like a carpenters song a little bit.
0: Well, well, which is it?
1: I don't know. We should look it up. Let's <laughs> not All just together. spew stupid things.
0: We'll we'll get back to you on that. Before we get going, I'd like to remind you that we tweet the playlist to our shows a few days before the episode drops, so you have a chance to listen to the music that we will be talking about today. So follow us on Twitter at musicmostlypod. On to the show now, guys. I was 16 years old the first time I saw Rancid play. They were opening for The Offspring. The Offspring were touring on their breakthrough smash, smash. The show was at the legendary boathouse in Norfolk, Virginia. It was the day before Halloween in 1994. For those of you who have never heard of The Boathouse, let me set the scene. The venue was in the parking lot of the newly built Harbor Park, home to the New York Mets AAA baseball team, the Norfolk Tides. I never went to The Boathouse before Harbor Park was there, but this was not the best area of town. It's down on the Elizabeth River in the Industrial District. It was the only thing on that side of the highway. On game nights, you'd arrive for the show after the game had started. You had to park under the highway. When the show let out, all the game traffic would be gone, and you had to walk through about a half a mile of empty parking lot on the way to your car. None of that mattered, though, because inside the boathouse it was heaven, Shangri-La, Valhalla, paradise. The venue was laid out sideways, with a stage on one of the long sides and the balcony over the river on the other long side. The only entrance was on the short side of the parking lot, and the beer garden was on the short side all the way down. The stage was about halfway in between, and depending on the act, sometimes the beer garden was walled off in front of the stage. It was like that for widespread panic. But for most shows, the average age inside was barely 18, and the beer garden dwellers had to be content with a big-screen TV showing the show that was happening to their left. There were four wooden columns in the middle of the pit, presumably supporting the roof. Crowdsurfing was tolerated, if not downright <laughs> encouraged. This was the place where I came of age in rock and roll. This is the place where Gordon Gano winked at me as I was crowd surfed over the barrier. This is the place where I saw hardcore metalheads talk about how rough the pit was at the Weezer show. This is the place where I met junior fucking Marvin. This was the closest I have ever felt to divine grace. I was nervous the first time I went, but the older kids at school assured me that if one fell in the pit, then a million hands would throw down and pick you up. The first time that actually happened to me was so life affirming. I think that's what draws me to punk rock. It's the attitude, the energy, the unity, Most of all, the inclusivity. All for one, one for all. Unity. As one, stand together. Anyway, back to October 30th, 1994, I was there to see The Offspring. I've spoken at length about how they opened their set that night with the profanity-laden tribute to road rage, Bad Habit. Hey man, you know I'm really okay. I wanted so badly to buy an Offspring t-shirt with the famous stupid, dumb shit, goddamn motherfucker refrain on the back. But my mom still washed my clothes and there was no way that that was going to fly. (laughs) That's another story for another time. This is a story about the first time I saw Rancid, which happened about 30 minutes before the only time I saw The Offspring. We had just gotten into the show. The house lights were on, people were milling about. I knew exactly one thing about the opening act. I knew that their name was Rancid. I needed some more intel, so I scanned the crowd. There he was, the older fella, standing on the side, talking to one of the bouncers. He had Liberty Spikes and a leather jacket, a Union Jack basketball jersey under his leather jacket. If one dude in this place knew anything about the opening act, it was this dude. So I went up to him and asked him for a light. He abided, even though I was most definitely underage. Hey, it was the 90s, and this was tobacco country. Anyway, I said something smug and cocksure because I was at a punk show on a school night with my girlfriend, and I had all the confidence that comes from inexperience. Something cool like, I've never heard of Rancid. I hope they don't suck. Because I had access to terrestrial radio and MTV, and nothing cool could get by me. The dude said something like, they're pretty good. I think you'll like them. Because the dude was the kind of cool one gets to be when one has had some life experiences. The kind of cool that comes with patience. The kind of cool that comes from knowing that you don't know nothing. Also, the dude was Lars Fredrickson. (laughs) I know this because not ten minutes after our exchange, he was on stage tearing shit up. I don't remember what Rancid played that night because I didn't know any of their songs that night. But I do know that I immediately went to Planet Music and bought their album Let's Go, Use for eight bucks. I played it over and over and over on my stereo at home. Track number two on Let's Go is called Radio, and it's the first song I learned how to play on the guitar. I looked up the tabs on Olga back when Olga was a thing. So imagine my intense joy and pleasure when one year later I got to be an early adopter who was waiting for their next album, 1995's Out Come the Wolves. And Out Come the Wolves was the first record I can remember anticipating. The first record that I told people about before it was out. There's so many tracks on this record that run deep in my soul. Daily City Train is the song that made me want to play Sky Music on the guitar. There's a little riff that I, quote, wrote, unquote, while trying to figure out Ruby Soho that I still play today. I used to sing The War's End to my kid, subbing in her name for Sammy. I'd go, Little Evie was a punk rocker, to which she would (laughs) reply, I'm not punk rocker, I'm Evie Bear. (laughs) Suffice it to say, this is a very important record in my life, and I'm not even the one of us who was in a rancid cover band. So hop on the 60 bus, good people. We'll be on there. We'll be waiting for you tonight. We're moon stomping through the seminal ska Punk Classic, and out come the wolves by the one and only Rancid. But before we get to that, Jimbo, what have you been listening to this week? Well, funny you should ask, uh, Will. Um,
1: I've been listening to at work. I put on the new Tomahawk record, which is called I think mm-hmm. Immovable Immobile Tonic. Immovable Tonic. It's uh, maybe maybe their best work. It's amazing. I also tried to wow my uh, co-workers and actually succeeded with some Me First and the Gimme Gimme's. So it's been heavier stuff this week. Um, And also um, some Ruskaya again, because that's just amazing. Um, Which is like Russian ska. I don't know if you... It's not really ska. Is it ska? It's punk?
0: They do some ska.
1: They they do some really interesting covers. They do Get Lucky. They do... um, they do some really fun covers. They do. The, I o the tiger. Day-num, day-num. Uh, the, the lion hear me roar. Uh, what is it? Ter- um, oh. Carrie Carrie Perry. Yeah. Katie Katie Perry. Carrie Katie and Kate Carrie
0: Perry. Katie
1: Perry. Katie C- C- My tongue is so thick in my mouth.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Brian, what have you been listening to this week? Uh
2: a lot of different stuff because I've been traveling and driving. So it's been all over, but when I was coming back, I was kind of just, like, trying to mellow out from a long week and was just listening to a lot of, like, kind of, like, synth-wavy, but, like, chill, I don't know, like, psychedelic Uh, Ghost of Sabretooth Tiger. Love that. Was big in that mix, which is uh, Sean Lennon, John Lennon's, and Yoko Ono's son.
0: With I'm his, familiar with him
1: His lady, Charlotte Kemp Mall
2: And it's really good
1: It's really good If you haven't heard it, it's definitely Chibot worth knows. getting into It's so good It's like super uh, super psychedelic
0: I saw him with, open for Primus in that, in that, And he did some songs with Les Claypool Because he did an album with Les Claypool Yeah, it was yeah. called
1: the, um, the Claypool Lennon, Lennon Delirium What is it called? Delirium yeah. Delirium, right, right, right
0: but they played uh, they played a couple tracks off of that together. It was just like f- freaking mind blowing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that right? stuff was kind of
1: cool.
2: It was like Black Sabbath, but like sludgy, like yeah. sludgier if that's possible. That's but so fucking good. But like if the Beach Boys did it, I don't even know.
1: Uh, Will, yeah. what do you? What have you been listening to, Will?
0: Uh, so I was listening to uh, some Ti Ti and nice. some Wiz Khalifa. I was like, I don't know. I was driving around a lot this week, just driving around, and like. I thought of T.I., so I put some of that on, and then I just kind of forgot, like, how fun it is to just cruise around with, like, rap music playing really loud in your car. So I did a lot of that this week. Specifically, T.I.'s King and Wiz Khalifa's first album, first major, like, major label album, I think, which is called Rolling Papers or something like that. I forget what it's called. Um, Because that's the kind of guy I am. I listen to stuff like that, like, 10 years after it comes out. And I'm like, yeah, all right, I'll listen to it now.
1: <laughs> yeah, I get, I get I get around to it as well eventually.
0: Yeah, um, it's like you go on and you're like, I don't know, I feel like the kids are into that. And then you look and you're like, seven eight million monthly listeners. All right, yeah. there might be something to this. And they're not kids <laughs> anymore. Yeah. Um, but that's that's what I've been listening to. Nice, one. very nice. All right, well. <clears throat> talking a bunch of them it was a tough room Anyway, uh, we're going to take a quick break When we come back, we're going to figure out What the name of Brian's Rancid cover band was And we're going to start talking about this record That has just been so important in my life We'll be right back And we're back We are talking about And Out Come the Wolves this week This is just one of my favorite albums of all time Uh, Anyway, it was released August twenty second, 1995, recorded at Fantasy Studios in Berkeley, California, and Electric Lady Studios in New York City. The first time that Rancid had recorded an album in more than one studio. Produced by Rancid and Jerry Finn. Jerry Finn, who is like the godfather of pop punk, I guess, Brian? I don't know if you're familiar with him. I wasn't before researching this.
2: Yeah, he's done all that whole era
0: of, of that, yeah. I'm so really he mixed Dookie, which is fun to say. Mixed he Dookie. produced four Blink One Eighty Two records, starting with Enema of the State. He produced All Killer No Filler by Some Forty One. He's produced MXPX, Pennywise, AFI, Goo Goo Dolls, Phoenix TX, Alkaline Trio, Morrissey, like just all over the place. Um known for the warm guitar tone present on the albums he produced, as well as the punchy sound of his mixes. He was instrumental in developing the polished sound of pop punk in its second wave of popularity between the mid-90s and the early 2000s. So I was anxious uh, to talk uh, you know, before we start really talking about the songs, I did want to talk about the production, because if you listen to Let's Go and then listen to this, like there's a jump in the quality, like just in the I feel like it's just like a jump in, like, the attention to detail of the production. 100%. Yeah, this has that polished...
2: Well, this was the first record for me that sounded like all that punk stuff that we were, like, like, Let's Go and, and all those things, but just run through the car wash, you know? Just squeaky, it had, it had that sheen on it. And I don't know, that was the first record that I, like, of that genre that sounded like, that I listen to that sounded like that that had that quality
0: yeah i think like like let's go to me sounds like it sounds like the band sounds live if that makes sense and outcome the wolves sounds to me like when you see the band live how it sounds in your head when you see them live <laughs> if that you know like yeah kind yeah, of yeah, like yeah. No, that makes sense yeah
1: um, the thing I would say about it is, uh, I think that probably attention was, uh, okay, a lot of things in this record are very clean and very perfectly done. However, the thing that shines throughout is uh, the bass tone, and it's very, very important throughout the entire record. And I'll talk more about this later, because it's it's the glue that, that perpetuates, holds it together and perpetuates this entire record. The bass playing yeah. is outstanding. It's The
2: bass playing... And then it's the, the best tonal quality to
1: Scott bass playing you'll ever
2: hear. Yeah. Um, but they had some heavy hitters like Andy Wallace mixing this record. I mean, he, I mean, we already talked about him on, on several episodes. I mean, he did rage against machine, evil empire, um, uh, Nirvana, nevermind all of those super radio friendly rock records. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think, he has a lot to do with it too, with the mixing.
0: Well, that's interesting. I mean, the bass is very pronounced in every song that it's in. So, I mean, it's it's high in the mix. Am I saying that right? Like, it's it's up there. Yeah,
2: it has a, it has an upper mid range tonal quality that cuts through. That that puts it to me uh, almost ahead of the guitars in in most cases, just because it's doing. The walkdowns and stuff, but it's almost like a lead in a way. It, ta- it takes it takes the forefront.
1: I feel that it's the element that um, is perfection, um, so that everything else can be um, sort of loose and jangly and still have this huge polished feel to it because the bass is so fucking good. It's 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 li- his bass playing like his. It's not just the tone; it's also his lines and his precision and his pop sense. That he's delivering um, through his instrument, that is kind of makes for me makes this record. It's, it's everything else is great, but without his bass playing, I would have said,
0: eh. I, I would definitely agree with that. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it definitely it propels each song along. Yeah, and it's it's as important. And I, and I wonder if it's because <clears throat> Tim Armstrong has a very distinct voice, uh, but I think we can all agree that it's not. That he's not a great singer. You no, know. no, it's, no. Not,
1: it's not traditional beauty through vocals. It's, it's no. a, he's sometimes a little bit like Cracker, sometimes a little like the Pogues, sometimes a little like Offspring, uh, an Offspring in that it's a little sharp. And this is something that happens when you play, when the instruments are a little too loud on stage. This is where the style of singing comes from that's a little bit sharp because that's how you're hearing it. You might be, think you're singing on key and you're not because all the instruments are so loud. That it makes you sing a little sharp, and that's a typical punk thing, and um, also prevalent. I mean, I guess in the studio, but I think they probably were louder in the studio than most bands are.
0: Very possible. That's interesting. I also feel like he slurs his words a lot, so you I mean, really, a lot. you really gotta, really gotta listen. Um, I mean, I can remember like listening to this record with like the album booklet. the cd like reading the lyrics the lyric sheet you have to or you never would (laughs) know you're never gonna know and i mean it's almost like like lars frederickson isn't a great singer you know but like compared to tim armstrong (laughs) he's his voice is a lot clearer and it's a lot easier to like it's it's interesting that like they use his voice to kind of like carry the tune and uh tim armstrong's voice almost has like this kind of like scat quality to it where it's it's like a I don't know. It, 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 I don't know if that makes sense, but it, it, it to me, it's like a,
2: that, like slacker quality, where like you think of like Stephen Malkmus or like something like where it's like pavement, or, like where things just kind of like bleh, blur together. Or I don't
1: know. He sounds drunk. Really, it's like, it's yeah, like if yeah. you're trying to have yeah, a conversation. with yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Drunk. And, and, I, and I think it's, it's just it's sort of like a uh, fuck it, we're doing this thing mentality. And like fuck it, I don't give a shit. I don't give a fuck. We're putting these songs out. We're doing them. And this is how But yeah. like, there's
2: definitely, it's a style that, like, he does, like, he plays it up in moments, too, where he, like, really lays it on thick with yeah. that kind of slurry, you don't know what he's saying. Yeah.
0: Right, and he'll put, all, he'll pack a lot of words into a short amount of time, too. Like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. you'll hear something and then read the lyrics and be like, oh, wow, that's, like, eight words. Yeah, I really it just, thought it was, like, three. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's great, and and I think he's a great writer. I think he's a Underrated songwriter And I think he's a really good lyricist But um, We'll talk about that in a second But also like Hook-hook uh,
1: oriented uh, And there a lot of like No-no-no-no's yeah 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 yeah's, nah, nah, yeah Nah-nah-nah-nah Things like that But those little things Make such a big difference And again You need that big Underneath uh, Support Of that bass playing To kind of perpetuate Because that's a melodic The bass playing Is like the, the Melodic uh, 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 Glue to hold this together
0: yeah. you know yeah yeah i do i i put a note on the second song the 11th hour there's a, there's a bunch of background whoa whoa whoas wo- with tim singing in front of them and it's like this almost like kind of duop quality, except yeah. for like in a traditional sense the 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 best voice in the group would be the one singing on top of the background whoa whoa whoas wo- but it's the exact opposite yeah. in this you know yeah, yeah. Which which is again like just kind of like a
1: and, and he's he's better in some spots than he is in others. But ironically, the spots where he's really fucking rough are the songs where most popular that you hear and where he's like <laughs> he's like the worst version of like Shame of going you've ever heard, you know. And and just like but still this song is the one that sticks in your head and you're gonna know forever in your spine, you
0: know. He has I mean he has one of the most distinct voices, I think. Like- yeah, yeah. You, you, there's no you're not like who is that like you know exactly who the fuck yeah is
1: yeah when you hear I, I will now after this last week,
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> I wanted to read one more quote about Jerry Finn who is adorably called Huckle Jerry Finn by <laughs> people that's too good who is apparently like the nicest dude and he passed away with of like it's like a cerebral hemorrhage or something it was like Eek. young yeah. you know it's, it's a tragedy but yeah. um. When asked how he achieved a sound, he said, uh, Finn achieved the sound by recording instruments through more than one amplifier at the same time. Many engineers try to keep everything separate and add effects later, said Finn. Players play to the sound, so you just have to get a sound and go with it. This allows you to mix tones together to get just the right sound. Um, which sounds like witchcraft and voodoo to me, so Brian, I was hoping that you could kind of illuminate that a little bit.
2: Yeah, so I mean, in that sense, I mean, you're just you're just filling up all the space you can while it's all happening so doing a lot which is awesome like you can split I mean which you could definitely do you split it you know split the signal however many ways you want it and and that's a lot what a lot of engineers do after the fact I guess he's just doing it all at once which is which is just a cool way I mean I never really thought about it in that sense to do something like that so
0: is that more so that it's just more of a live feel in the studio. Like, I feel like a a big part of this music is trying to capture that energy and, like, trying to piece it together a track at a time in the studio is probably the wrong way to go about harnessing that energy on the record. Yeah, you're going to
2: have a a different sound for sure, just because, yeah, when you keep things separate, you have infinite control over each thing and whatever. You can pull out frequencies and put effects and do everything to the most minuscule things when you put it together like this yeah you're kind of recreating more of the live setting where you know the the amp wall kind of effect where it's you know you have everything just blasting at you at once which yeah you're going to get a bigger just. and then yeah you can't really control as much so you're going to kind of record it from one source and then you make that what it is and it's more committed recording where it's like right. you're going to go for it you're just going to like this is what I want it to sound like. This is how we're going to record it. And boom. You, you don't take too much time to overthink it.
0: Cool. Uh, okay, so moving along. All songs on the album were written by Tim Armstrong, Matt Freeman, and Lars Fredrickson, except for The Eleventh Hour, which was co-written by Eric Din, who I could not find any information on, and Junkie Man, which has an excerpt from the Jim Carroll poem, The Basketball Diaries. Mm. Um that's where they got the title from like it's the where he goes and out come the wolves it's like a spoken word piece in the middle of that song yeah and i couldn't find if that was like if they brought him in and recorded that specifically for the record or if that was just taken from a spoken word he had released some spoken word albums of of his work so i don't know if they just took it from that uh or if he actually came in but he did get a writing credit on it uh which i thought was neat the title in Outcome of the Wolves is also a nod to the major label Bidding War for this record uh, because Dookie and Smash had just come out and sold gazillions of copies. And so uh, these dudes could have signed with anybody they wanted to. They opted to stay with Epitaph Records. Um, and that was like such a 90s. Remember like in the 90s when everybody was concerned about who sold out and who didn't sell out? Like, yeah. It's just so interesting that that's not even a, a thing. Yeah, we, we nobody, talk. About, nobody cares.
1: Yeah, we talk about like Discord and stuff like that. Like when all that happened. Like to this day, I, I like look back on anybody who was on Discord with more respect than you know what I mean. Like I, I don't know why. It's not like it wasn't even my world. I didn't give a shit. But <laughs> I kind of look at them like, oh, yeah, they were on Discord. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, great. You know. But honestly, who cares? You know. It's like well, they
2: were one of the, they. They they were ones that kind of held true. Through, yeah. You know. Like they had some really good stuff and stuff that could have went on.
1: But what I'm saying is then it mattered. Now it simply doesn't. You can just do You can put out whatever you want. Absolutely. You don't need record labels. And whatever they fucking want now, but I still feel like that was sort of a, 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 I I guess for the time, but I feel like by today's standards, um, somehow inside me, I feel like you're, you're kind of cooler if you did something like that back then, you know?
0: I think it's it's True. easy to respect somebody who said no to what would have presumably been a shitload of money because yeah. they wanted to because they wanted to just make things the way they wanted to make them. They wanted to do it the way they wanted to do it. They didn't want to be. They don't want a bunch of like suits telling them what they should or shouldn't
1: do. Right. And supposedly that's what punk rock was, you know. But once it became commercialized and you know, like, sort of handled. In that way,
0: you know, it's like because it did. I mean, let's yeah. I mean, it's it's not like these guys didn't make videos.
1: They made no, videos.
0: They made videos. <laughs> they made videos. <laughs> you know. No. Um So I I don't know. Is it selling out? Is it not selling out? Who gives a shit? Yeah. This guy that now, I used to work with. Now we say that. Now now nobody gives a shit. Back no. then it was like yeah. It was like you people were like ready to be like up in arms. Oh, they're like like you know rising like up in the it,
1: streets. It, yeah, yeah.
0: It's like, oh, they're on they're on epitaph. I, I only listen to artists on sub pop. Yeah, it's yeah, like, exactly. Oh, 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 right. You know. Good example. Um, but yeah, like back then the labels mattered. Now nobody even knows what label anybody's on, which is probably the way the music industry wants right. it. And there aren't even labels. I mean it's like
1: the labels are kind of the thing about. Who's a past, putting out records like, people There's like, like Taylor swift out. label? Just like that gonna... label
0: and Disney probably oh,
1: owns both of them. I think I was really <laughs> A record tomorrow, I can do it. I'm just do it on you know whatever. I just I'm just 3D printing my records. <laughs> there it goes. My shit's on Spotify. Well, excellent. Yeah, yeah, that's,
0: that's what I only think um, that people listen to anymore. So whatever. I used to work with this guy in the 90s. We were, I remember we were talking about Green Day one day, and I called him sellouts because I was 19, and and he was older Angry. than me. I mean, he was probably he was probably in his early 30s at the time, and he just said, you know, Will, it's all right to sell out as long as you do it for the money. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Shit. <laughs> I had, a, I had a song lyric that was went like something like uh, uh, fixing the lottery in your favor, selling out is like buying in. You know, basically, and then, and and it's it wasn't selling out; it was buying in. It was getting your your music to larger audiences, and and selling selling a piece of your soul in order to have that happen. So, was it evil? Yes.
0: <laughs> Un- unquestionably is it okay <laughs> also yes also uh, yes <laughs> um, well, interestingly like uh, after this at some point after this Tim Armstrong now he has his own label called Hellcat Records which is an offshoot of Epitaph it's like a partnership with Epitaph um, this is like another thing it's like a va- what they call a vanity label like basically like he signs the talent he goes out and finds the bands but then Epitaph handles all of, the, like, the actual record company stuff. Right. Um, and and this was a, another thing, kind of like in the later 90s and the early aughts. Uh, Pete Wentz, a fallout boy, has DK Dance Records, which is a partnership with Fuel by Ramen Records. It's another yeah. indie label that was, like, yeah. super hot. Huge, yeah. Um, I just think it's interesting. Like, I, I, I just remember giving so much of a shit about that stuff, and, and it just strikes me how unimportant it is
1: now <laughs> it is really so yeah. unimportant and i mean like i think about like ipecac i'll go to the site every so often like mike patton's label and it's like you know uh, there's really cool stuff on it the melvins are there and like everything they've done in, like the past 10 years has been on this label but all this other weird stuff that you would not come across unless you went to this site and found it yeah. and, and unless you're in like in you know going through the ch- the proper channels to find that sort of thing It's weird shit, and it's awesome shit. And you want to find this stuff, you know, just creepy and awesome. But, you know, you got to – that's the only reason that I I appreciate that label because I wouldn't be able to find that stuff otherwise unless I was going to that site and, like, going through the list and going, ooh, I probably need to listen to that. Ooh, that sounds interesting. Oh, I'll touch on that. Let's find out what this is. So there's a lot of cool stuff like that.
0: Well – I feel like we've probably talked about record labels long enough. Yeah. Um, we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, we'll actually talk about this record. Uh, and we'll get to that uh name for Brian's uh Rancid cover band. When we come back, we'll be right back. And we're back. We're talking about Outcome the Wolves. Uh and Brian, so Brian, you were in a rancid cover band. Tell us just a little bit about that. Give me the two-minute elevator pitch of that band.
2: <laughs> well, it was basically Major label signed, I assumed. Huge. Uh, yeah, everyone came to our shows. No, uh, we, we played exactly two shows for about I would say the cumulative average was like 12 people. Uh, and it was really... Very successful. The fact that my cousin and I were already in a band, and we had a friend who was super into punk rock and Rancid. I mean, did like the whole, he had like the, you know, straight up mohawk, dyed some crazy color, like the jean, like cut off jean vest with patches. Anyway, his name is John. He loved Rancid, so we decided just to start playing Rancid tunes and a few others. I think we played like a couple Minor Threat songs and things like that. But um, we. Yeah, slogged our way through a bunch of Rancid songs, went through a bunch of bass players because Jimbo and I were talking earlier that a lot of this hinges on the bass. And if you don't play it in that certain way, it kind of loses, the songs lose their touch. So went through some uh, bass players, but yeah, played Rancid songs. All the hits, all the hits. I don't think we really had a name. I think we called ourselves Time Bomb for a while, but then we discovered there was already a rancid cover band called Time Bomb from, like, Budapest or something like that.
0: Uh, Internationally known Time Bomb. Yeah. Uh,
2: And then we were John and the Johns for a while because his name is John, and that's just what that was.
1: Was there anybody else with a band named John or just like...
0: No. no. This is a clever name. Just John. He, John and the Johns. Are you, are yeah, you aware we're...
1: that they might be giants as uh, two Johns and a band of Dans at one point?
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: that's... Everybody's name is Dan except for the two Johns.
0: I was not aware of that. Yeah. Um. What do you think? you guys want to talk about the album? Let's talk about the album just a little bit. Let's talk about the album. Um... You have to talk about the first track, "Maxwell Murder." I mean, it's just like it's just a ripper with that bass solo. Oh yeah, It's yeah. just right off the top. Kicking Under- in minutes yeah, long, yeah. kicking in the doors.
1: And and it's it's like it's like breakneck right out right out of the gate. And yeah, I, and, and kind of things slowed down after that. I don't think they lose momentum, but they slowed down tempo wise. This song kicks ass, and it's got that na 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 chorus which says hey. We're going to delight you with, like, our own brand of pop sensibility. Well,
0: that's it's uh, it's actually 999. It's Dial 999. Yeah. Excellent. Which is, which is even yes. British even for 911.
1: Yes. Well, that's even better.
0: And I like yeah. it. Good. 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 So we're in agreement. Covered that nicely. It's a great track. And it goes right into the next track, The Eleventh Hour. It's just interesting that, like, that is like just such a frenetic song and then it stops. And then the next track is just dunna, 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 dunna. like it, it just, it almost starts like a pop song. Yeah. So it's, it's, you're just like, so it's like the one, two punch is you're just like, what is going on with this record? Which I, I just, I just really liked. And then that song also features the, uh, the whoa, whoa, whoa's with Tim's vocals in front, which I, I find beautiful. I find Tim Armstrong's voice to be very soothing and beautiful. Um, I, I feel it like it is, in, it is neither of those things, but, hey, you, uh, I, but I just find it to be. It is in its own way. Yeah.
2: Yeah, you have to really appreciate it, but if you do.
0: I think, like, so there's this song on uh, their album, Indestructible, called Arrested in Shanghai. And in that song, it just, it really, like, when he decides to do it and when this this the music goes to this place, there's like this vulnerability to his voice because it sounds so strained and it just sounds as powerful as it can sound. It can sound so just weak and delicate as well, which I, which is what I find really, really intriguing about it. But
1: um, I, I don't know which sing, which singer it is, but in this second track, uh, what is it? The, the 11th hour. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, There's a moment where I felt like, um, it like a cracker or camper van Beethoven. Um, There's like that sort of um, projection that's strong, but there is something, a resistance that's standing in the way of it being like a clear, clear tone. And there's something, there's something stunning about that. It's like, it's sort of, it's, you you feel like it's trying to get to you, but there's something in the way of it. And it's- It's just raspy, gargly phlegm. It's just awesome. I, I like that a lot. It's, it's, I don't know. It's one of those things. And yeah. I, I think that it's there.
0: And something else that they do a lot is they'll go back and forth, even in the same verse. Sometimes it'll be like one of them will sing the verse and the other one will sing the chorus. And you can tell they're different, but sometimes, like, especially if you're not super familiar with their work, like, you, you can't tell which one is which. But then sometimes they'll, they'll trade off lines, like, almost like Run DMC style. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's it's just cool to it's, it's cool that there are so many vocals and then Matt Freeman will like kick ass on that bass and sing background vocals, uh, yeah. which is just it's just really neat. It, it just it lends itself to this camaraderie that translates to the audience where it's like, you know, you don't you don't have to be able to sing to have a really good time. Doing this with us tonight Like that's not what it's about Like it is about us And it is about you And it is about this You know And that's the Just that very very punk notion That the music belongs To the crowd And that the people playing it Are just the people Who happen to be playing it But it's not They're not playing it Because They're like these Like Music god People They're they're just playing it Because somebody has to play it Because we're all in this building And we all got some steam To blow off I like that yeah. It, yeah,
1: it's just like, it's a, it's a party starter And it's like, yeah. hey, we're, we're gonna do it We're here, we might as well do it And let's just fucking do it And it's just gonna, it's gonna be here And you can, you can jump along to it Or you can nitpick it But I don't think you should nitpick it Because it's kind of awesome I think that, um I think that maybe more time bomb And When we get to the next song I want to talk about that more Yeah, let's go ahead Talk about it. So, Time Bomb is a great fucking song. I mean, it's literally, mm. it's really good songwriting. It's a great progression. It's got all the elements of a great song. Every Everything's in place. Uh, the structure of the song, the chord progression.
0: Um, the kick-ass uh, all, organ solo.
1: Yeah. And, and every, like, pop sensibility. It's just awesome. And again, greatest fucking bass line you're ever going to hear in your life for a Scott song. Mm-hmm. It's, like, hands down, maybe one of the best ones ever. It's like, I mean, if if that bass line doesn't get you up out of your seat, you do not have a pulse. It's it's literally awesome. And I,
0: Actually, it's funny that you mentioned it. There's, there's two things I want to mention about that song. One, uh, it was the first ska punk song to crack the top ten on the modern rock chart. So it really is the song that kicked off that third wave of ska. I mean, there was mm-hmm. Operation Ivy, which two of these guys were involved in. Right. And, and then there was the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. But then... This came out and then the third wave of ska happened. Two, this song, especially with the bass, the bass hits it's like a four on the floor drum beat, and then the bass just plays with the kick drum. Mm-hmm. Dun, dun, dun. And when I, ru- I run, and when I run, I try and match my footfalls to that like bass drum. And oh, you're right, if on. I'm Pretty doing bass. bass, yeah, if, if you're doing I can only do it if I can do it for the duration of the song, that's a victory. I think I'd find
1: myself, like, sweating and puking if I tried to do that.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm definitely sweating. I haven't puked yet, but definitely a a sweaty mess. Pissing out my ass
1: and throwing up. Okay.
0: (laughs) Oh, okay.
1: Um, Sorry, team.
0: Is there anything anything else you want to say about that song?
1: Yes, it's amazing. And what do we got? We got, yeah, the walking bass, the, the chord progression, everything's so strong. It's like, it's... A great ska hit. It really is. And again, the vocals are so questionable, but acceptable at the same time. You know, they're like, they're not great. They're very bad, but they're <laughs> kind of awesome in their own way. It's like it's like they're broken. They're
0: flawed. You know. Well, and they're all. And correct me if I'm wrong, because I was watching a YouTube video. So really, correct me if the asshole who made this video was wrong. <laughs> But it's all the vocals are all one note, right? Like it's just kind of like a flat. Yeah, it's kind of like it's like
1: it's like singing talking. A. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's kind of like yeah. a, it's it's very toasterish. You know, it's yeah. like
2: yeah, it's
1: it's uh, it's out front being like that that front man that's just like basically rapping one note. You know? Yeah. I mm-hmm.
2: thought um, I think well, if uh, yeah, I th- I believe actually most of their songs are in a, a similar or same key.
1: Yeah, it happens a lot. So
2: I think that would explain why the vocal tone would be consistent because uh, they ha- uh, clearly have a range. Yeah, and they don't yeah. go too much uh, far out of it. And I don't know. I, I actually I, I don't know if that's A or what. Uh, I'm just trying to think of what they would be. I should have figured that out.
0: But as I think we- the songs in A. I think the songs just A and E.
1: Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But uh, I could be the, wrong. No. And a lot of their songs are. It's no, than, you're wrong. Like it's
0: stunning.
1: more than two chords. It's yeah. It's actually it's two chords in the verse. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's actually three or four chords in the in the in the verse in the chorus. But it's two rich,
0: chor- rich with chords. Yeah, it's rich, chord oh, rich. Wow. <laughs> um, okay, uh, on listed MIA. Uh, there's hand claps, which I just think is...
1: Yeah, I love You hand just claps. wouldn't expect
0: that on that record. but again, No, I love, I love when clap, they come in. Yeah.
2: Uh, those hand claps are great. Solid
0: gold. Solid gold. Uh, so that's a good one. Uh, lockstep and Gone. They have the... I just love the call and response. Like, it's like, the end isn't here. There's something... They do that in a lot of their songs. Uh, maybe not in a lot of their songs, but they, they do it on the song called... Uh, Hooligan off of Life One Way, the next record after this one. Say, it's just great when they're like singing to each other. It's, I just, I love it. Yeah.
1: Lockstep really and Gone also has like a really cool like breakdown, like where it's like this big jangly guitar
0: thing with the breakdown, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, it goes uh, in uh, with uh, like this. Uh, the bass. chorus has like this urgency and then there's like a a bass riffing um, thing. Yeah. Well, there's a bass thing on all these. Well, I mean, if we're gonna talk about the bass, we need to talk about Journey to the End of East Bay. That's the one with the big bass hook, right? The beginning, like do 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 Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but that's just uh I mean it was just like an intro.
1: Also, I think it's picked. I also tried to make the Oh, distinction. I think he
0: plays with the pick. He plays with the pick almost exclusively.
1: No, no. I'm okay. going to say I'm going to say bullshit. On, I'm going to call bullshit on that. I think. Well, that, you would
0: know because I'm. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you play the bass and I do not. <laughs> so on the war's
1: end, there's a moment where it's it goes. Um, he's got like a in the in the end of it where he's hearing that triple it, triple it, triple it like that. Yeah, I believe that it's triple it, triple it. I think he's playing with three fingers, and starting with his ring finger, triple it, triple it down to the index. Um, I think that's all thing. I think there's a lot more finger playing on this than you think there is. And
0: uh, you, you wouldn't. Since how I thought it was zero, then yes, I'm going to say that you're right. Well,
1: I mean, you wouldn't go digga doom, digga with doom with a pick. It doesn't sound like that at all. Like, oh, you can hear the difference between the, the pick bass and the finger bass on this. It's pretty okay. distinct. Finger bass and pick bass sound really, really different. Pick bass is like a gung gung and like boom, as opposed to boom, boom. You know, um, Brian, help.
2: Well, I'm, I was trying to research this a little because we were talking about it and I was trying to like look at videos and see. And it kind of like the the style of his playing doesn't really help. And they don't, I didn't, there wasn't a, a good enough shot to really see on a lot of them. But from what I'm reading right now is that he plays with a pick. Horseshit, Brian. Horseshit.
0: <laughs> I win one to nothing.
1: <laughs> I don't think so. I want to say he plays with a pick, but not on the worst end. He, I think that's a finger. I think it's those possible. are fingers.
2: Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine he's constantly
1: playing with a pick. He's, just, not going, he's not going diggating, digging. He's going bedding, bedding. I can hear the difference.
0: The War's End, though, man. That's one of my faves. It's, a it's such a fun song to play on the guitar. Is it? It's just a fun one. Oh, God. It's just, yeah, it's a fun one. And it's, so, it's interesting because it's, um, it ha- A, it mentions Billy Bragg, which is awesome. Oh, I like and Billy two, Bragg. Uh, yeah. It has, like, this urgency to it. Like, there's a go in right before the guitar solo. But it, they, Lars Fredrickson plays it solo, live, like, The rest of the band doesn't play. He just plays it on electric guitar with distortion and sings, and the crowd sings most of it, which is I have been a part of that crowd, and it's powerful because I think that song just resonates with
1: I'm going to contact this Matt Freeman and find out about his fingers on that song because I swear to God.
0: You do that, and you let me know how that goes. (laughs) Um, Have my people get in touch with you, people.
1: See, so he's probably
0: got people, and I know he'll I get know right you back have to me
1: because I'm very important, very sought after. Jim's Chibble, really, got a lot of Chibble, people.
0: You should have reached out more, like in the height of like the COVID lockdown. When people had time on their hands. <laughs> yeah, people but, actually um, have places to
1: go, and things to do. Now,
0: <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> Brian, you wanted to talk about could this have been a double disc or two records?
2: I personally um, think
0: yes. And so, and you're talking about specifically between the journey to the end of East Bay. And she's automatic. Yes, that's the cutoff because she's automatic comes in kind of like Maxwell Murder. I mean, it comes in
2: hot. Yep,
0: you know it starts it starts full full bore. Like it starts with the verse and just goes. And uh, essentially, I, I never really thought about the album like that before. But I mean, it, you almost could. I mean, do you feel like the tone changes or?
2: No, I think it comes full circle. <laughs> like it's. I don't want to say... It doesn't, like, mirror itself, but it has... I don't know. To me, it always just felt like two separate things. Like, after... And maybe it's just me, just the way I hear it and the way I listen to it. But the first time I ever listened to this record, I got to Journey to the End of the East Bay, and I just assumed that was the last song without looking at, like, the track listing
0: or anything. I wonder if that was, like... The end of the side one of the tape, I got it, it on could CD, have been, but I, so I don't know. Uh, I always hear those two songs. It's just interesting that you mentioned that that would be where the break is, because I hear those two songs like, um, like Heartbreaker, Live and Love and Made, where like I, if I don't hear She's Automatic immediately afterwards, I feel like shortchanged, like I didn't get the whole experience.
2: No, and I totally understand that now. Like you know, when you listen to it as a whole, which is why I still kind of think that. That like, it makes sense in a way like where, I mean, it would follow it right after, but yeah, it, it's, it kind of like restarts the whole thing. Like it it gets that blast, that, that new blast of life. So I don't know. I don't know. Let's see, we just have a poll. Call in. Poll. Call, Call in, in. people.
1: <laughs> We're live. We're live. Uh, this, this is the pre-taped call-in show. If <laughs> you're, you're calling it last week. Then we're talking about leave, dogs and their Leave a and message owners, and we will. But from two weeks ago, we were talking about
0: the elderly. <laughs> and the young. <laughs> um, the only th- other thing that I really wanted to make sure we touched on, I think it's interesting we haven't talked about Ruby Soho. Um, yeah, good song. Yeah. Great song. Oh,
1: it's a great song. And such, I, a, so, a, such an icon.
0: It's, it is,
2: is. I feel like. To me, the biggest song on the record
0: I it's the biggest song it. on the record, although statistically, "Time Bomb" did better.
1: Yeah, but, yeah. Time, bomb, right. "Time Bomb." I felt was like they're both like huge, though.
0: I just Man, think it's seen that they're slick. It's more two, slick. This is these like, two like kind of like era defining songs from the same record, and they they aren't quite different songs. Yeah, yeah. and um, I don't know. Ruby Soho is a-
1: Ruby Soho is not a, a ska song. It's a, punk, a It's a punk song. song. It doesn't have a yeah. ska gang to it. Uh, it's nope. it's a it's a well cre- it's a well crafted song mm-hmm. it's 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 crafted like a pop song and it's crazy. yeah cre- it's, it's got
0: the like the ruby ruby like the the yeah vocals it's catchy at the end catchy, the harmonies super and, catchy yeah. yeah um and it's about loneliness like a lot of this album is about loneliness which is i mean a lot, yeah.
1: a lot of life is about loneliness well
0: <laughs>
1: it's kind of a thing I mean, look look at my situation
0: we need to- it's a lot Not to unpack. A lot but to unpack. Some synonyms. <laughs> um, no, I, it's something that is very ska about this record is that it's like like bluegrass, where it's like if you want to be happy, listen to music, and if you want to be sad, listen to the lyrics. You know. Right. Yeah. And there's a lot of that on this record too, where it, yeah. and and it's almost like because Tim Armstrong's voice is what it is. You have to really try to listen to the lyrics, like you get. You have to apply yourself. You have to it's kind a of job. Like block out. It's a job. The bass, and you have to block out the the melody if you really want to like absorb the lyrical content. But um, yeah, I, I just I think it's a great record. It's I, I, really good. It's not my favorite album of all time, but it is certainly one of the most important records for me in my life. I don't know why. And I find um, myself, as I get older, I listen to it. I come back to this way more than I come back to a lot of albums that I listened to more back in the day. And I think that's yeah. a testament to the songwriting.
2: This I, one, I, I wish I kind of did. I, I, I was regretful that I, I, it had been so long since I'd listened to the whole thing. Because um, this one,
1: this was a really big record for me. And going back now. Full disclosure, like other than the two um, sort of obvious hits, um, I I really hadn't spent much time with this record. In fact, zero time. I mean, if I had heard it, it was inadvertently. I like just basically, so it would be playing at a party or whatever, and I'd, what is this? Uh, It's rancid. Okay, I mean, I'd never paid a whole lot of attention to it, but I got to tell you, now that I have, and again, this is one of the reasons I'm so glad to be attached to this forum that we're experiencing right now. Is that I get subject to so much stuff that I ordinarily would not go for. And these things now become part of my repertoire. They become part of what yeah. that what I what I'm made up of. I mean, because that's what music is really, and that's what that's what I am. I'm everything music that has come that I have put into my tank, my fuel that I put into my tank, basically.
0: And now this oh, is part wow. of
1: that. And I really appreciate it. It's a good record.
0: Oh, it's a great! This is a yeah, record for me. Such a like, good it's very rare that I start this record and don't listen to the whole thing. Yeah, that, that doesn't right. happen often.
2: And it doesn't uh, take very long for.
0: 12, it's only forty-nine tracks. minutes long <laughs> for nineteen tracks. Uh, I timed the only it, that's other true. Th- <laughs> yeah, the only other thing I wanted to hit on was if you're a fan of them and you're a fan of Let's Go, the last song, "The Way I Feel," is the song that sounds the most like Let's Go. Like yes. it, it, you know, it has like that that real high kind of guitar riff playing with the main riff kind of down on the lower end of the guitar, which it's very, I just found it interesting that they capped the album with kind of like a nod to their previous album. Yeah.
1: Well, with that many tracks, you almost have to, you have to kind
0: of do something. I think it's also interesting that it's, it is widely regarded as like this, this landmark ska punk record and they Chose to start and end it with two songs that are not ska punk at all. Yeah, nope.
1: I mean, there may be about six or eight like um, actual ska grooves on the record, and some of them fall in some of those grooves fall in the middle of songs that don't start out as ska. Like, uh, for mm-hmm. instance, I will say, give me a second, meow, 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 meow. <laughs> oh, uh, let's see, the train, no, no. Oh, Disorder and Disarray starts out as a punk song, right? And you don't feel it and all of a sudden, it gets into that really nice ska groove in the middle. That's nice.
0: That's nice. Uh, I'm just saying that not all of them
1: start out, they had some, the the foresight to actually use some dynamics with the ska, like, and different ska grooves as well. They're not all the same. Same ska groove. Like, you say, ska is ska. No, it's not. There are, like, it's not. 15 different versions of, of ska grooves sure. that I can think of on, <laughs> off the top of my head, and I'm no expert.
0: Yeah, well, I also think this, act, this album is very much uh, a product of its influences, uh, and then also just so influential going forward. Yeah. You know, so it's just one of those... I, I don't find myself listening to a ton of the things that these guys probably listened to in their formative years that led them to make this record. But I do listen to a ton of the things that this record was like the genesis of. Yeah. If that Fair. makes sense. Fair. Yeah. Um, yeah, this this so yeah. was You guys got anything else you want to say about it? I think we got another six enthusiastic thumbs up.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, it's yeah. a great it's a great record. I have I have um I, I was I was uh I will continue to listen to this record for probably the rest of my life.
0: No no filler on this. 19 tracks, no filler. Yeah, yeah. I love All that. great tracks.
1: I love that, yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. Excellent. Well, that is the show, ladies and gentlemen. We hope that we have inspired you to spend a little more time actively listening to music. If you're feeling frisky, you can stay tuned after this outro for a section we call The Lounge, where we get a little loose, talk about this day in music history, and a Billboard Top 10 from back in the day. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please tell a friend. Subscribe, rate, and review us. Share us on your social media. If you're feeling really generous, please go on Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating. It helps us an awful lot. We are getting dangerously close to 1,000 total listens for the show over the course of these two seasons. I think we're like 120 short. So, like, if we could get there over this in the next two episodes, that that would be a huge milestone for us. So, you know, please tell people link to us, all that good stuff. That, that just would be so amazing. Uh, you can subscribe to the show on all the major podcast platforms, including Spotify. If you search for Music Mostly Pod on Spotify, you will find the show. But also, if you scroll down a little bit, you'll find our user profile. That's where you can find the playlists for the music for all the shows. You can follow the profile and follow the show. It's a little convoluted, and for that, we apologize. You can check out our website at musicmostlypod.com. You can find and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at pod can hit us up at musicmostlypod at gmail.com if you'd like to get in touch. For Jimbo and Brian, this is Will signing off. We will see you in the lounge in just a minute. Welcome to the lounge, ladies and gentlemen. This is the part of the show we kick back. We'd like to have a drink or two. We'll talk about uh, this day music history. Birthdays from today, top ten list. Sometimes Jimbo hears some grievances. Every once in a while, musical instruments are played. Jimbo is making very odd hand gestures right now, and I don't know what they mean. But guys, uh, one thing that we forgot to do during the last section was name our favorite tracks off the record. So Brian, you go first. What's your favorite one off this?
2: Ah, uh, there's so many, <laughs> but I don't. You know, I don't want to go with the hits. I think. Listed M.I.A. has got to be my favorite.
0: That's a good one. Um, Checking out. It,
2: it was always... Never coming back again. It was the most fun to cover. I love the flow of the lyrics versus just the... Kind of thing. Nice. It's not, it's, it's not really... It's not a complicated song. It's not a the, very not interesting not them are song, but... Uh, technically
0: very complicated, unless you're playing Or, or just...
2: Game. I mean, I, mean it, I don't know. Maybe it's not that interesting. I find it interesting, so... That one. That's my favorite.
0: Brian, you're grown-up. Your favorite one can be whichever one you want. That's right, damn it. No one
1: tells me. <laughs> you're a grown-ass man, you,
0: Brian. I'm an adult. Did you find yourself gravitating towards one, Jimbo? As you got um, to this record?
1: Time bomb. Uh, it's just such yeah. like most perfectly written Ska song of all time. It's just, yeah. it's literally it so good. like a Ska skanker's dream. It's just, like, perfect.
0: So, yeah. Yeah, I'll give you that. Uh, my favorite is daily city train i i, I just love that, track. that also great so I, I love the way it, it comes in i love the
2: i didn't the, think that would I, I wasn't guessing that one for you but that i'm yeah. that's great yeah
0: like just the that that the way the guitar at the beginning is it's not just a straight like upbeat it's like a one it's like triplets or something like one two three one two like dun dun. I don't know. I just love that song. I love the guitar solo. I just love the way that it starts with the lyrics right at the beginning. It just draws you right in. And um, like I said in the intro, like that's the one that I was like, I want to know how to play that on the guitar. Like, like I heard it and I was sure. like, I need, to, I need to know how to play like that style of music on the guitar. I just love it. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. So that's definitely my fave. That's a um, good one. Yeah. What, what happened in this Last time I seen him.
1: What happened on this day
0: in uh, music history? Oh, you want to pivot to that? I mean, I'm, I'm just wondering. Okay. Okay. Well, as we are recording this, it is July 27th. In 1958, fans of rock and roll music were warned that tuning into music on a car radio could cost you more money. Researchers from the Esso Gas Company said the rhythm of rock and roll could cause the driver to be foot heavy on the pedal, making them waste fuel. <laughs> well, <laughs> i just okay. thought that was preposterous
2: uh, yeah that's, that's
0: um, the weirdest thing I've so heard. yeah that that happened on on i don't know how they pinned that to july 27th but that happened uh in 1976 tina turner filed from divorce for her from her husband ike ending their violent 16-year marriage and successful musical partnership so good for her yes right yeah. Yeah. I think we can all get on that. Ike was, right? Ike was a
1: bad dude. I, I um, had to recently uh, learn the backup vocals for um, that two, 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 two. Um, big Wheels Keep On Turn, the, the Proud Mary. Proud Mary. Which was like what? A Credence song, right? Credence. Yeah. Right. But I came across two different versions. One was a Tina Turner version and one was a Tina and Ike version. And the Tina and Ike version was the one that most people know. But the Tina version on its own, she sounded like she had so much more freedom and was so much more in love with the song and the idea of doing the song. I know it's probably years later, but it was good. It was
0: great. Well, yeah,
1: she wasn't uh, under the thumb, the control of the fist.
0: Yeah, only hit her with a closed fist. Fuck that guy. Yeah, piece of shit. <laughs> what a horseshit motherfucker. Fuck you, you, Ike Turner. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I think we can say that uh, in the lounge. Are we allowed to use F-bombs? Yeah. I did it in, yeah, yeah. in the main uh, body of the thing, too. Sorry <laughs> yeah, about that.
0: Yeah, but that was, that's yeah. No, was the well, it's, it it's in context. A, it's generally applauded here. <laughs>
1: okay. yeah. so usually um, we try to save those. Really. Celebrated.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, in 1985, Paul Young went to number one in the U.S. Singles chart with his version of the Daryl Hall song, Every time you go away.
1: Yeah. You a, I didn't realize it was Daryl. You take a piece of meat with you. That's what I always say. A like, a, like, like a meat a no. burglar, like you a restaurant. Piece and you, of meat. Every <laughs>
0: like, time you get down like with your ship, you're going to On your way out, take, take a piece no, of meat. Father, meat, meat burglar. <laughs> um, I, I just thought <laughs> that, that well. the only reason I thought that was interesting is because I didn't realize that uh, Daryl Hall wrote that
1: song. No, that is interesting. I had no idea. I didn't either.
2: thought it was Actually,
1: yeah. It makes a lot of sense now.
0: Yeah. You know, you hear it, and you're like, yep, yep, that's right on brand. In 1986, Queen became the first Western act since Louis Armstrong in 1964 to perform in Eastern Europe when they played at Budapest's Napstadion, Hungary. The gig was filmed and released as Queen Magic in Budapest. So that's pretty cool. That is cool. Hmm. Hmm. Hmm, methinks that's nah, not. <laughs> my, uh, my in 1991, <laughs> Jesus Jones went to number two on the U.S. chart with "Right Here, Right Now." Oh yeah, unable, unable to shift Brian Adams. Everything I do, I do it for you. From a seven-week stay at the number one position. Yeah, if it weren't for Brian fucking Adams, Jesus Jones would have been a number one hit. Yeah. Nice try, Jesus Jones. Nice. Not even Jesus Jones. could hey. un- could unseat Brian Adams. Hey, I guess Brian
1: is bigger <laughs> than Jesus. Must be. Oh. Yeah.
0: I mean, you know, you factor in. The, there's the Kevin Costner factor. Mm-hmm. But
1: uh, uh,
0: wait a minute. But I love that. Uh, Kevin Costner not in the Beatles.
1: Not nope. in the Beatles. He was not a member of the Beatles. I've fallen asleep so many times during that <laughs> movie. <about> that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it was known as the fifth beetle no you weren't no, no, just
2: bad <laughs> <Just that> information <laughs> oh. i think don johnson's looking for you Let's, uh... <laughs>
0: um i love that jesus jones song though man that's a hot track that's that a is good just one. like that that brand of like um just like british like club yeah what do you even call that? Is that, is that it was, was like a club weird rock kind of yeah. um it's very early '90s. And but what else and, you think falls and, in that genre? What else falls in that oh, genre? Oh, the the Soup Dragons. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah the song yeah. called "Divine Thing." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay, 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 okay. I get it. Uh, there was that song called "Groovy Train" by. Who oh, was that? That that might have been by the Farm. And then uh, there's Ned's Atomic Dustbin. Ugh. Like, I mean, there's you know just like that. There's just this very short era in the early '90s. EMF with Unbelievable. We talked about that like a couple weeks oh, ago. Oh, right. Or yeah. last week. Um, yeah. But anyway, so so there's those, Jimbo. If, I could, if you need me to cite an example or two. Yeah, I mean, sure I did yeah. that
1: for our audience's sake, not for my own. I mean, I could I, use some Oh, stuff. yeah. Clearly, I, I know, know the things you're Clearly. talking about. I, know, I don't <laughs> Clearly, I feel like I, that I know was all. enough. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um... <laughs> Man, that genre was just it was hot for like a hot set. I'm trying to think like what was, was the next? like of...
1: after that came like, you know, like what are those guys called? The Verve. And, yep. and the, uh, uh who did Bittersweet Symphony? The That was the Verve. The Verve. That was the Verve. Was the Verve. The, uh Verve Pipe. And there was Verve the Verve Pipe. Did the, which the came a few years later. So that was it wasn't the exactly the same genre. But there were other no. bands of no. felt in between those genres that were kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But the, the Verve Pipe, though, I feel like I plug this every time their name comes up, but two amazing original records of children's music. Amazing. Really right, good. yeah. Children's music. You um, do plug that. All right. Born on today. Happy birthday to Bobby Gentry, U.S. singer, songwriter, notable as one of the first female country artists to compose and produce her own material. She rose to international fame with her intriguing Southern Gothic narrative "Ode to Billy Joe" in 1967, spending four weeks at number one on the Billboard Hot 100 chart and sold over three million copies all over the world. Her album "Fancy" brought her a Grammy nomination for Best Female Pop Vocal Performance. So, happy birthday, Bobby! Uh, Do we know that song? I don't. I, I don't know that song, and I, 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 I feel know. like as a as a group of three middle-aged white dudes. We don't spend enough time talking about women and music, but I I do like to spend
1: enough knows. time talking about like classic country. I mean, honestly, that's that's, that's we mm-hmm. should spend more that's time on because we Why are we I... are a white man after all. <laughs> so
0: white, <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, I try it. I try to be yeah. less white, but it's hard. Yeah. That's, I mean, I mean, they have um, you seen
0: you? Have i seen me. <laughs> I
1: don't think there's a whole lot of change in
0: that. Um, uh, all right, happy birthday in 1951 to American rock and jazz drummer Tris Imboden. His studio session work has included recordings with Neil Diamond, Kenny Loggins, Firefall, Richard Marks, Steve Vai, Roger Daltrey, Chicago, and Crosby, Stills, and Nash. That's a for oh, damn that list of heavy hitters.
2: Yeah, that's a list. I mean, the so Steve I, Vai not
0: me yeah, and Richard Marks You don't often yeah. see a <laughs> cocktail Richard party Marks. With, with Richard Marx and Steve Vai <laughs> together. Fucking Neil Diamond, right in the beginning there. Uh, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, um, Neil is like uh, just the guy. I think that's like a. I, I would just love to meet Neil Diamond. Wouldn't that be awesome? Just taking my. D- I bet he's a. <laughs> be <dick. so> awesome. <laughs> M- Mr. I bet Mr. he's a. So awesome, Mister.
1: Mister. Diamond. May I buy you lunch? <laughs> Absolutely not. You can't afford to buy me lunch. Get away from me. (laughs) There are enough oysters in the world, son.
0: (laughs) Okay. Uh, Happy birthday, Carl Mueller. Carl Mueller, 1962, bassist with American alternative rock band Soul Asylum. Uh, Soul Asylum, who is better than you remember them being?
2: 100%. And also, I think misled by their single. their their music is n- almost nothing like that their single then, train.
0: Run, the train, yeah it's uh they definitely rock harder um it, it is definitely more americana than than you think it is yes uh, for sure. and it's good it's it's solid it's rock solid rock and roll yeah
2: they had a couple quality albums
0: yeah uh i mean grave dancers union and then the one after it which was um uh, yeah That's the one I'm thinking of, but I don't remember remember what it's called. It had Misery was the track on it. Yes. Uh, But it was good. Uh, um, Happy birthday, 1964. Rex Brown, bassist, the American heavy metal band Pantera. I don't know if you guys listen to Pantera, but it's a good time.
2: I have definitely listened to some Pantera.
1: Yeah. It's Um, It's like all kick drum. It's awesome. I
2: also enjoy their soups and sandwiches. Oh, wait, that's Panera. Oh, that's Panera. Yeah.
1: yeah, not to be confused. Yeah, I made that mistake uh, going, right, yeah. going through one of the services, like Uber delivers or whatever, and I actually had the ghost of It's like I, I asked Dime for Daryl the
0: Dimebag Bag Daryl, 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 and they just brought me soup. <laughs> 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 Rest in peace, Dimebag Lobster Daryl. bisque. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I believe his brother Vinny Paul recently passed away as well. Uh, uh, yeah, right? I, yeah. I do believe that is um leaving only Rex Brown and Phil Salmo, But, God, Panteros, when they were good, they were fucking good.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was like, uh, it's like I have to be in the mood for that sort of energy. Like, yeah. I, honestly, you can't just it like, that's not breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That's no, like, that's <laughs> not an everyday listen. you gotta, you got to be
0: in a place. If it is, I mean,
2: you might want to <laughs> maybe it's, seek It's therapy. like an occasional violent you know feast <laughs>
1: that you just have with yourself, you know?
0: Oh, man, but we used to, um, so I had this friend in high school. And he had this uh this like mid 80s Camaro with the T-tops.
1: Oh yeah.
0: And um and like these huge T-tops. subwoofers behind the back seats. And so we used to sit, we used to cruise around in his car and uh, smoke a ton of weed and listen to music. And we would listen to uh, Walk by Pantera, which had it's just and, and like with oh, yeah. all this bass and yeah. like just sitting there with those subs like rattling the seat, like it was just so Oh, just so, just so visceral, like because you could just feel it, yeah. You know, because you were listening to it on 24 inch speakers, but oh, um, oh, so good, so good.
1: Wait, wait, those sub. Well, you are gotta be in the I
0: don't know. In my mind, yeah, sure. Me, remember in high school from right now. That's. It <laughs> might have been 28 inches, and then we're like 16s. I'm sorry. Might have thinking. been 16. Might have been 12. I don't uh, know.
2: 15 is about where you, yeah, they 15, said 15 across them.
1: Oh, uh, 15s. And it would just be a yeah, subwoofer. It was like fifteen inch speakers that would have. It was like a two. truck
0: speaker box, but behind, you know. So they were like in these trapezoidal boxes behind the seat. It wasn't a bass tube. It was like so. It's really thirty
1: because it's two fifteen. So yeah, that's where Yeah,
0: I'm yeah it was definitely a pair of them. Yeah, I always
2: preferred multiple tens. I like the tighter sound.
1: I like the up uh, close <laughs> sound because that doesn't shake the. I mean, like obviously, I mean it's like
0: oh this right. this definitely shook. Like you were you were like I'm. I'm seventy percent sure this Camaro is going to get us home without falling. So off the right.
1: reality is that, like,
0: the, <laughs> the smaller the
1: actual speaker, the the clearer the tone is going to be to right. your head if you're closer to the
0: source of it. So, what, yeah. like, I have now a. Heart- believe me when I say that nothing was going to be clear to my head in that circumstance. <laughs> so I have a heart geek cabinet <laughs> sitting right here. That's a four
1: ten, with a with a yeah, a, a, br- a bright um, like horn in the middle. Not it's not a horn though. I don't know what it is.
0: It's another, it's another, I'll tell you what it is. It is not important. I can tell you that. Anyways, the point is this,
1: it it delivers the bright end. They're all like aluminum cones and stuff. But the reality is that that same cabinet could have housed a single 15, but the difference there is that single 15, you wouldn't hear unless you were at the neighbor's house. Like it's all going to be right here. Whereas, like the 410s, yeah. the I'm going to hear the tone like right over there if I really wanted to. But the single 15 would sound like I'd have to go like two blocks over to even hear the tone. Probably not that far, but a block over. You know, it's a like b- a,
0: b- a block. I a mean, block. come on, two blocks.
1: The Three size blocks. of the speaker has a lot to do with what you're actually hearing in the moment in yeah. close quarters.
0: Well, I could tell you sitting in that back seat, feeling those things rattle the back seats. Listen to oh that yeah, song. that's all they did. Pretty dope.
1: That's all they you'll, did. Just lose go. some
2: fillings with that. It'll shake some teeth loose. They yeah. made
1: and they made your rectum tickle a little bit. You probably like oh, a little bit. Or felt yeah. that rectum tickling. Yeah. I'm feeling might, right now. Uh,
0: like, We're gonna need to stop uh, at the ch- bowling alley. Check your shirt. <laughs> you know, I grew up in in Southeast <laughs> Virginia and. So we would go to the bowling alley because you could buy smokes in the vending machine, like with oh, the snacks. Oh, dude! And- oh, yeah! I just somebody I saw
1: somebody post <laughs> Facebook, like like a picture of an actual functioning, realistic now today fucking cigarette machine. I think it was in Vermont. Now, where was it? What state was it Vermont. in? Uh, Maybe one of the, Car- like probably one of the Carolinas or Virginia or something like that.
2: Yeah, you gotta be in tobacco country. You you <laughs> imagine
0: like you imagine having to go to one of those and put 10 fucking dollars a quarters into it. Yeah. You know, like it just takes a roll of quarters. <laughs> That's what the comments were. Like, how many quarters? <laughs> That's what all the comments were on this. I was like, because when I was in high school, it was like a it was six quarters. It was a dollar fifty for a dude. Bag the last right. one,
1: and this is 15 years ago, but the Chanticleer was a they had one, yeah. The there Haunt, the Haunt yeah. had a cigarette machine longer than the Chanticleer. I think the Haunt had a cigarette machine. I remember buying cigarettes out of a machine at the Haunt for years, until like maybe even even on karaoke nights. I think I remember buying yeah. So that's less than fifteen years ago. That's yeah, crazy. I mean,
0: that's like that's like five years ago, five six
1: years ago. Yeah, yeah but
2: definitely. Uh, when, when I lived it, in Florida, there were still cigarette machines. Well, like when
1: did the, the New thing. York State smoking ban go into effect? <laughs>
2: I don't know. 2000, whatever. Early two thousand.
0: Right, before so. I moved up here, and I moved here in Alt 6. So. All right, so two or three was years like, after was like that 03? is when, is when the cigarette 03?
1: machines became a, less of a thing.
0: Hmm. Um, that's all the birthdays for today. Uh, let's see here. In 1973, the Grateful Dead played the Grand Prix race course in oh. Watkins Glen, Virginia. New York, not Virginia. There's no Watkins Glen in Virginia. <laughs> Say, dude. Bristol, Virginia is, there is really right Watkins Glen. I was, I got, I started thinking about buying cigarettes out of a vending machine, and my mind just <laughs> stayed in Virginia. But no, Watkins Glen, New York, right down the street from us. Uh, it's, that's not like, it's not that far. It's not close. that far. It's close. Um, we're gonna do the Billboard Top Ten from September 9th, nineteen ninety five. But before we do that, Jimbo, can we get a tambourine update? I heard your tambourine's not doing so well. Uh, my tambourine, actually. My tambourine.
1: Oh, oh, oh,
0: oh, oh. Hey, Mr. Tambourine Man.
1: Yeah, there's a new fissure in my tambourine. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's and a. This is
0: made out of. This is made out exclusively out of baby seal skull, right? I, I believe mostly <laughs> skull. Um, is it plastic or is it plastic? Is it plastic?
1: Well, they find that if you if you um, yank the teeth out of the seals, the baby seals while they're alive, you can actually um, continue to harvest the teeth year after year because they grow back. So you're able to just go back. That's just sick. I'm sorry. That's the most disgusting thing ever. I'm sorry.
0: Oh my, <laughs> oh my god. god. <laughs> that was good. I almost uh. I almost spit beer all over <laughs> my. <everyone>. Uh, <laughs> um, all right. Uh September 9th, 1985. This is the week that uh Outcome the Wolves peaked at number 45 on the Billboard 200, which is pretty right. good for a punk record. Yeah. Um especially in a genre that it would define. You know, so this is like the uh the leading edge of that. Uh That's number right. one, the number one single in the land that week was Gangsters Paradise by oh, Coolio yeah. Featuring L V.
1: You know, I've always had a problem with that, and I'll tell you why. Uh, because it was taken Is it the from- message? No, <laughs> it was taken from uh Stevie Wonder's uh Pastime Stevie Paradise. Wonder, yeah. In yes. which case the song went into another section that I liked even more than mm-hmm. the than than that original section. And when they chose that over the other one and never never referenced it or went to it at all, I was like, I mean, what a huge thing you're missing here. You should have fucking gone to the other spot and you would have fucking... Okay, I, I guess the song. Well, clearly length, no one it, it saw on the it, charts. It, but, I mean, it, it definitely it, it was, was at number it was one. Number, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> it could have gone beyond one. It could have gone to the next one. level. It could have
0: been zero. <laughs> <could> have
1: been- <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to hear the other section of the damn Stevie Wonder song. It was frustrating to me. As a person. Do you know the well,
0: name of that other Stevie Wonder? I mean, song? I guess that's It's, just, called, it's just, called
1: Pastime Paradise.
0: No, Jim, no I think no, you listen. The other section. The other song. Is it the
1: same section? It's the same song, but there's a section of the song that they left out. That they didn't, gotcha. they didn't use. They didn't use. Now, the I think the solution,
0: Did he go there, or did Weird Al stick to the?
1: God, I can't remember. But I think he didn't reference it either. No, 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 he, no. I was he, just, did. he most definitely didn't. So he I was churning butter. Got more and more device. frustrated as as the parodies started to
0: unfurl. <laughs> <laughs> um, number two, just is listen to not, the
1: original. Damn it!
2: <laughs> what are you, I, I just all I want to do was, is hear that one what's section. What's wrong with Stevie Wonder? For Why is this the Coolio
0: version? I was listening, so check this out. I was listening to uh, the podcast from the guy from The ringer doing the 60 songs from the 90s, and he did an episode on Gangster's Paradise. And guess how much of the publishing Stevie Wonder demanded for Coolio's use of that?
1: I would like to know that. Guess how much? I cannot. I cannot begin. 26%. Brian?
2: Uh, I uh uh forty or fifty-one percent.
0: Ninety percent. He got ninety wow. percent of the publishing for that. Wow.
2: That's good. That's hey, good. Yeah. This is- Clearly What's- this is why <laughs> Coolio had a short-lived career.
0: <laughs> Steve Steve
1: wonders, like, you know, I should probably build another house in the south of France. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I mean, well, you know, what gets like, me is that Meanwhile, is that Coolio nobody, is like in a dumpster somewhere <laughs> Nobody nobody
0: knew that that was going to be the hit that it was going to be Oh, oh, but come on I You I can't mean, take if a gem cool, like if,
1: that unless you dude, know Coolio, it's going somewhere
0: all right, 10% of that is probably still a lot of damn He's money He still
2: probably made a pretty decent amount of money So, anyway Although, um, Stevie Wonder is whew,
0: He wasn't starving before that no, he was doing just now. fine, but, yeah, but another
2: another slice of the
0: pie there. Uh, number two is You Are Not Alone by Michael Jackson. Um, number three, Kiss from a Rose by Seal. That was from uh, the Batman Batman Returns. Returns, which was a big soundtrack, right? Yeah.
2: There
0: was this one. Uh, there was a, a, song a U2 song. Kiss Didn't Me, Kill Dawn Me. Didn't have a song whatever. in that? Kiss Me, yep. Kill Me. Hold, hold Me, Kiss Me, Me, Thrill Me. Kiss Me, Kill Me. me kill Me, like kill
1: me. Kill me uh, Kiss Me, Suck. Me, I don't Hold know. Hold
0: me, thrill me, kiss me, kill me. Um, Sounds like you have it in front of you and on screen. I don't. I'm just I'm just that good. You're that good. Uh, that is That is why I don't know other things, because I know
2: that. <laughs> <laughs> it's taking up space that other things. It's only getting the way of your happiness, <laughs> dude. Just, <laughs> it, it, life. it is not.
0: I'm, I'm a so, life. Happy. I'm so until, happy. Until you forget that.
2: about that, you'll never be able to it's fill an, that space it's with another, anything else. another reason
0: to hate on Bono. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, just, just not a uh, didn't
0: PM, p.m. dawn i think had a, a single on that too but underrated p.m. dawn but anyway um number four waterfalls by tlc Huge. that's a hot track Huge. love that song i've seen a rainbow yesterday formerly um, number one uh formerly yeah, number that was one a no, that was kiss number from one. rose formerly number one you were not alone formerly number one this top that's 10 true. made up of a lot of former number ones Uh, one that peaked at number three is number five, which is boom Bastic. Oh yeah. Uh, Um, which is a hot track, but like the, the original version was not the, um, not the, the one that samples, let's get it on that. Like, I think is a better version. This is like more of like, if I had to guess the original one was like more of like a dance hall kind of thing, a little less of a R and B throwback. Yes. Very much so. Um, Shaggy, who big one though. was in Desert Storm, Desert Shield slash Desert Storm, when his first single, Oh Carolina, came out in the music industry. His record company got him out of active duty to come home and tour on that single. Goddamn. Which, which is that's Lucky, something. The l- Lucky Shags. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Um, Number six is I Can Love You Like That by All For One, which is. Oh, yeah. One of several all for one songs that aren't. I swear, so I don't. I don't remember this one.
1: <laughs> oh, you don't. Re- oh,
0: I don't remember this one.
1: Yeah. Um, I didn't remember the Michael Jackson one you mentioned earlier either. I was like,
0: what? That's a. You. you are not, not alone. alone. <laughs> that's not
1: a bad song. Well, just awkward. Yeah, single. so that's why I remember it. I think I blocked it out intentionally.
0: That's that's the the whole. It's certainly not his best work, but I mean, being Michael Jackson's tenth or eleventh best work is. Financially, still better good. than financially, else. but like, is it good? No, it's probably stupid. I don't know. yeah, That's that whole, can you separate the artist from the art thing? Michael Jackson's a conundrum.
1: I know, because yeah. the art is not good. I mean, if the art was good, then I would, if the art meant something to me, which his art doesn't, I don't know why I'm unaffected by it, but I am. Okay, let's move on.
0: Interesting. Number seven, Colors of the Wind by Vanessa Williams. I also don't remember that.
2: I don't remember that, no.
0: Uh... Tell you what, I do remember the next song, number eight, Only Want to Be With You by Hootie and the Blue. I just
2: heard this song. Darius Rucker. It was on the radio while I was driving down to where I was
0: going. Down Darius the state. R- I mean, you want to talk about a guy who has a voice that is the exact opposite of Tim Armstrong from Rance's voice. Darius Rucker. Are, are they from Philadelphia? No, they're from uh, Florida. Columbia, South Carolina. Hmm. South Carolina. Wait,
2: I thought. Hmm. Oh, well, I just assumed Florida because he's a Dolphins fan because yeah. they make him cry,
1: and he plays a lot of golf.
0: Well, but the thing is, when when he was a kid, because he's older than you know, he's older than me. Um, there were no Jacksonville Jaguars, so I mean, it really, if you're in, from the southeast, it's either the Falcons or the Dolphins. That's it. Those are your two sure. choices. I guess that's a, that's a good point. Uh, it's kind of like why the Braves are. Like a southeast regional team, there's just no other.
2: Yeah, there's nothing. Baseball
0: else. team around there. Yeah. So, if you didn't want to like the, the Falcons, fans, then yeah. you like the Dolphins. Either that, or you went up to the Redskins. Like, too far. Too far. No, no,
2: just too far. Well, Darius Rucker, huge. Uh, well, not not huge, but a very successful mm-hmm. country artist these days.
0: Yes. Yeah. You know, I, I was I, great version of Wagon Wheel.
2: The only God. version that I'll actually tolerate. I to hate that song so much. You.
1: you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm
0: backing out of this whole.
2: It, it's it's an awful song, and I never want to hear it. But if I had to gun to my head, I would 100% pick the Darius. Record. All right, I, I, I,
0: it's one of those songs.
1: I, wanted, I, I, I do want to say ahead, what I was on. gonna say. Darius record did this song that I had to do like it was like a father and daughter dance wedding thing, and it's called it's I think it's called it won't be like this for long, and it's the, like the perfect father and daughter dance song. It's talking about, from a father's view, the daughter getting older and she goes to preschool and then she goes to school and then she's got her early dates and then she's getting married and then it's, so she goes off to college and then she's getting married, so on and so forth. Perfect life as the dad's seeing it. Here's the thing. Darius Rucker took a template from uh, Bonnie Raitt. He basically took the song um, um, uh, I Can't Make You I can't make you love me. I can't make you love me if you don't. Oh, that's a great song, right? It's a great song. We've right? talked. We've talked about this. I feel Darius like. fucking Rucker stole that template from her, and I don't know if there's been lawsuits. I know that there hasn't actually. I've looked it up because it was like it was close enough that I just. I don't know why she let it Didn't go. She shouldn't have let it go. It was very clearly. I mean, actual... I think
2: Bonnie Raitt's maybe kind of cool.
1: She's cool, know. but, I mean, like, to that point, I mean, I don't, yeah. I don't know.
0: I feel like there's, like, this Nashville thing where they just don't bust each other's balls about stuff like that. I feel like it's, like, an unwritten thing. Also, but, I mean, Bonnie is She's, just shamed and, you know, she's right. kind of just shameful. Well, at the same time, I mean, do you know for a fact that she didn't get points on the back end for that?
1: I don't think sure. that she did. And I can't, there's no way to look that sort of thing up. I mean, like, I. Unless she got a co-writing credit. Right. If, right.
0: if it wasn't made public. You know, like, it wasn't
1: put in... Well, she
0: could have very quietly gotten a co-writing credit and and not. it just be in the album liner notes. Well, I hope so, because, because, I mean, it's close
1: enough that made me uncomfortable. I was like, seriously? I couldn't... Okay, you know what? I couldn't sing the melody to the song I was supposed to sing, because all I could sing was the melody from the Bonnie Raitt fucking song that I'd sang for years and already knew, which was much better, by the way. And I'm like, it was hard. It was difficult to, like... It was difficult to actually pull off... The melody for the for the Darius Rucker song because the little variations that existed that he created to change it enough from from the Binary Race song to make it his own song were so subtle and so small that it was just like I have to learn all these little things. I want to because it's not as good as the original. So I remember the original. Say, yeah. It was tough. Anyways, I'm backing out. Hmm. <laughs> wow.
0: He done. He done. That was a tangent. <laughs> uh, number nine is. Uh... <laughs> Just, I'm sorry. There's, no way to trans- there's no way to transition out of one of those. Uh, number <laughs> nine is "Run Around" by Blues Traveler. This would have been their first single. I just heard this um, song too. Oh, this—I mean, that album four. It's great. It's so good. The slow really ones good. on that record are just—I mean, like "Mountains" went again. Just wait and look around. Oh, the three like those slow ones on that album are so good. John Popper has just has such a beautiful voice. Like when he
2: really goes for it. It's so great. It's, yeah. Always, always appreciated the blues yeah. Traveler.
0: Uh, and rounding out the top ten is I Got Five on It by Loonies. I mean, that's just a
2: classic. That was, yeah, that was, yeah. How'd that go? Didn't even, they they made a movie, like, wasn't that, that there was a movie in that, that as well where that was the song? Is that,
0: I'm not, I'm I don't remember, that. but there's a, there's a remix to it that has some rap verses in it that are like, the guy's like, what does he say? I, I'm going to paraphrase, but it's like uh, something about, like, I'm drinking a 40-ounce because the weed in my system is getting lonely. <laughs> <laughs> just, yes. It's, kinda, uh, it's, it's just kind of just so great. Yeah, it's
1: good. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's fantastic. Uh, <laughs> this is a great way to put it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, God, we used to drink 40s back in college, and... There's just nothing like smoking an entire blunt to the head and the cotton mouth that comes along with like the dirty brown weed that you're smoking. And you're like, I'm going to throw at this is 40 ounces of Old English and we'll just see what (laughs) happens. I
1: did the uh, one time at my, we had a birthday celebration and we did like the Edward 40 hands. Have you guys ever done this? Oh,
0: God. Uh, I've never actually participated in it. I have seen it done. I got to tell you,
1: it's harder than you think. So you duct tape basically two 40s to your hands. Yeah. For those listeners out there who don't know what this is, and, and somebody unscrews them both at the same time, mm-hmm. and you and you drink them, and there's nothing else you can do with your hands until those are gone. Now here's yes. the thing: you're probably going to have to pee before you're That's done with eighty those things.
0: ounces of malt liquor. That's eighty yeah. ounces
1: of malt liquor that you're drinking, so you're probably going to either piss your pants or or you're going to break the rules or have to have somebody else. Help you to urinate.
0: Or? Or just piss your pants. I believe that... Uh, so my brother has been a participant in many an Edward 40 hands.
1: I'm still sitting with my hands like this as we're talking. And
0: about I believe... Tense hands uh, as if they're holding duct tape 40s. Something I believe something that, that was done in, in, uh, in, in their situation was you could just... Like go outside, find yourself a brick wall, and smash one of your empty forties against it, and hope for the best.
1: With with broken glass in room. your
0: hand. Well, you just hope that there's not broken glass in your hand. See, I, mean, well that, I don't think that that I was, was always like a horror story, tender, like, of someone uh, get like n- shit faced after areas. and like
2: fall and like you just cr- and like you would cut your shit off.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, no. I'm not going to do that. I'm not not saying it's a good idea. No, it's a bad. (laughs) It's a very bad idea. That's not a thing that's going to happen.
0: I'm just saying there's an idea. Well, I mean,
1: it's it's a bad idea. It's it's a bad idea. That is a bad idea.
0: But But, all right. Well, speaking of bad ideas, uh, we should probably stop.
1: Is that what you want? Is that? which yeah, you desire at this, at this point. That's what I'd like. I'd Wait, like it's a bad time. idea to stop
2: or, just, or a bad idea to just continue?
0: Want it, it is definitely a bad idea to just continue. Want it to stop. That, the conversation right. ain't getting more simple, <laughs> I can tell it's you that. It's not going to
1: get any better. It's Literally. We, we, All
0: right. Um, that is the show, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you again for joining us. Uh, like I said earlier, we're getting so close to 1,000 total listeners, so if you're still listening now, you obviously – are a saint and a fan so please tell somebody and and maybe try and get a listen to one uh until we meet again always always be better and get a victory every day